Hello everyone. Welcome to the holiday episodes of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Pulova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Shaven and The Low Ledger. Today, I will be chatting with author Anne Dolman. Anne Dolman has lifelong roots in Michigan's UP. She started out as a newspaper reporter, photographer, and a return to journalism after retiring from teaching. I love that career. How did you like doing that? Which one, Emma? Um, the reporting. I did the oh, same. I, reporting, I loved it. It's where my heart really is. Mm -hmm. I was um, Lysel's editor at our local daily newspaper for about eight years. And then I also worked there on and off other times. And now I work as a freelance writer for different media. That's awesome. All right. Your newest book, right, is Caddy and the Birch Bark Box. Tell us about that. Give us a brief summary of the plot. A brief, okay. In Caddy and the Birch Bark Box, Caddy Whirlwind Thunder solves the mystery behind a weathered journal found inside a very old birch bark box. Why was the box buried behind a deserted garage? This is a question her friend and crush, John Ray Shigog, asks her after the two of them find it. And what meaning do the notes in the book have? Caddy's grandma and her ever-present companion, a noisy blue jay, encourage her as she puts together the pieces and ultimately restores the reputation of a deceased elder. Um, Caddy does all this while navigating through another school year, earning a place on the school's soccer team, and continuing to calm down her temper and adjust to life with a new stepmother and a baby brother. You're right. What inspired you to write this? Um, lots of different things. Um, I taught for 15 years at the um, Natawash Potawatomi Indian Reservation in Wilson, Michigan, which is outside of Escanaba in Michigan's UP. And during that time, my students asked me why there weren't more books that they could relate to that were about kids like them. And I took that as a challenge. And I wrote my first book, Caddy and the Bear Necklace, in response to that. And this is just the second one in a series of three. And hopefully it will encourage um some of my former students to do some writing themselves or keep on with it. Um, this book also centers on shipwrecks on the Great Lakes and it's a subject okay. that fascinates me. Definitely. So. Okay, how challenging was it to write this, your newest book? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of challenges when you write a book. And for me- yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's- you know how many people say, well, I could write a book and yeah. I'm at the point now where I say, great, do it. You know, do because, it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little harder than it looks, especially um, for me with my background primarily as a journalist. Okay. The whole structure is so different. When you're writing for news, uh, we follow the inverted pyramid. So you put the main facts in the first paragraph you know, the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and that first 35 words. And then the story is of descending importance. And that's something I've been doing since I was in high school when I was editor of our school paper. 
and then I've taught journalism and, you know, working in that field. When you go to novel writing, oh my gosh, you've got to get into the narrative arc, which is a whole different thing for me. And you can make things up because it's your story. It's your novel. Well, you certainly don't do that in a news. Well, maybe some journalists do. I don't. You want to be factual. Mm -hmm. So that's that was a big challenge. Um, and then in the process, just keeping up with the software, too, when you're writing. Right. Sending drafts back and forth to an editor. Mm -hmm. You know, the technology is a little um, challenging sometimes, too. Just so what do you feel is more difficult, fiction writing or nonfiction writing? For me personally, I think fi fiction writing is more of a challenge to me because journalism, you know, if I'm interviewing somebody and I've just done two stories about two local businesses, um, you know, I could go back to them if I had a question and verify the facts right, and yes. straighten things out. When fiction... Yes, I have to have my facts straight um, when I'm talking about uh, the dimensions of a ship, for instance, as I did in this book. And I could, um, and I did actually interview two uh, retired gentlemen who had sailed on the Great Lakes for their whole careers. But, you know, you've got so many pieces to pull together and you've got to make it interesting. And then I'm writing in the um, Potawatomi and Ojibwa cultures, so I need to honor those cultures and be respectful of them and uh, respectful of my characters. So uh, there's a lot of challenges. What do you feel you did right in your book? What do I feel I did right? Um, I think I, I made my characters believable. Okay. And, you know, when I have a friend who teaches fifth grade and she's had her students read the book and when they get into a really heated discussion and um, argue over things that happened. And one student will say, oh, no, it had to be this way. And the other will say, no, I don't think so. It happened this way. It's very exciting to have students um, open up to a book and use their imaginations to the point where they feel like the story is realistic and that the okay. characters that the characters could actually be somebody they'd see in the lunchroom or on the soccer team with. That's really, and also when um, people in, you know, tell me that they really enjoyed showing this or sharing the book with their children, grandchildren, whatever. And they, you know, and then, then the backhanded compliments when someone, an adult will read it and call me on the phone and say, Oh my gosh, you really can write. <laughs> like, yeah, yep, I've been at it a long time, but thank you. <laughs> wow, all right. Okay. How about takeaways, major takeaways from your books? Takeaways. Oh, that's a, that's, I love that question. Um, do you mean specifically about my book or life in general or? Uh, about your book for our listeners. So what do you feel like they can get from your book or well, what do you wish they could get from your book? Um, this book and the first one too, Caddy and the Bear Necklace. Um, I've had adult readers tell me that they have learned a lot about 
um, Native cultures in our part of the state. Okay. Uh, for instance, in my first book, I I discuss powwows, and I don't teach um, anything that would be intrusive to the culture that would be, you know, that I shouldn't stray into, but just about, you know, how the general setup at a powwow. Okay. Um, I taught, let's see, takeaway. Um, in both the books, I discuss how a reservation school was, at least during the time I taught there for the 15 mm -hmm. years I was there. And there were some significant differences um, we started school every week with a ceremony in the gym Monday morning. An elder would come in and they'd do a smudging and just teach a life lesson to the children and the adults um, and wish them success through the week and give them positive encouragement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that brought us all together. I think that was a beautiful thing to do. Um, we could play music in our classrooms, but for a number of years, it could be um, powwow music only okay. or some kind of native, you know, music. So you wouldn't hear um, rap, for instance, or something that teenagers or young people might play on their own. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just learn a res the respect that um, native peoples have for elders, for tradition, for language, their language, their tribal languages, for um, their belief systems. And especially I, I like the respect for um, for the earth. I think that's so important at this time when we are challenged with some real um, issues that are coming up in terms of protecting the air quality mm -hmm. and water quality. And relating that to be mother earth because the earth really is our mother in so many ways she gives us life and mm -hmm. food uh and i like tradition i think that's something that can be mm -hmm. kind of put aside sometimes and i i like ceremonies that mark the passing of time and and maturing you know and um for instance, Caddy was very, my main character was upset when her um, very young stepmother took her to the mall to have her ears pierced. Uh, she was torn because she was thrilled that she'd finally get pierced ears at 13, almost 14. Mm -hmm. But she was surprised because her father had told her um, that that would be part of a ceremony when she received a name you know, or her traditional name that the spirits would know her by. So she was conflicted, you know, so indirectly you will learn, you will learn those things by reading my books. You know. So did your students serve as inspiration for you, for your protagonists and for the plot as well? Oh, absolutely. The wonderful thing about where I taught was I would have the same Students, um, when I started, I taught seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, and twelfth grade English. Mm -hmm. And then later it was eight through twelve. And then other classes, um, journalism and uh business skills. And I developed a with a native language teacher, we developed an Indian literature class. And you got to really um, know your students' strengths and weaknesses when you had yeah. them for 
a number of years, year after year, and got to see them mature. Mm-hmm. And um, oh yeah, one of the things that impressed me so much was the just the amazing artistic ability that so many of the students had. Mm-hmm. Very visual learners and. Gee, they could draw and paint, and the beadwork was just amazing. And I talk about I talk about that too because my character Caddy um, struggles with beadwork. She's all thumbs, and it's a source of frustration to her. But she sketches. She carries a sketchbook everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, sketches, you know, whatever makes an impression on her, including. Um, maybe a design she'll see in, in the branches of a tree for a beadwork pattern. But my students, yes, they um, inspired me. And I still am in contact with a number of them. And they read the books and they tell me how much they like them. And, you know, it's very rewarding once you're no longer in the classroom. So did you actually write these books for them? Or the yes, students? I did. Yes, I did. Okay, I thought I read that somewhere. Okay. I That's dedicated I did dedicate the first one to them. Um, the second one I dedicated, I have two little, very young <laughs> grandchildren. And I'm trying to encourage my granddaughter it's going to be a reader. <laughs> She's all about um, uh, Fayette and climbing and jumping. But yeah, I definitely um, dedicate. They're in my heart and my oh, yeah. soul most of the time. Yes. All right. Beautiful How kid. about the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? Oh my gosh. Gee. Uh, that's a, I, I, I'm not even sure how to answer I know that. The answers, I get to that. It's a, it's oh my gosh. The most bizarre or interesting, something that you will never ever forget for whatever reason. Um, oh my goodness uh boy I guess it would be referring back to uh what I something I said earlier when I had a book signing for this for this second book in my local town of Menominee and you know when a certain gentleman showed up and purchased a book and he said he'd read the first one and he was just so surprised to find out what I really could write. And I said, that really kind of, thought, well, okay, thank you. It's a compliment. It is a compliment. Um, yeah, most of the book signings I've done have been um, fairly pleasant events uh, in libraries or, well, primarily libraries or galleries. Um I cannot say enough in support of librarians. I okay. just think they're wonderful. Uh, support people for writers. Uh, if you're looking for reference for something, you need reference material, or uh, you want feedback on something you're writing, or maybe looking for a book that's similar to something you've got in your head, um, they're just really, I think, the uns. The quiet angels behind writers. They really help us a lot. Good. That's good. Do you have an event coming up yet before Christmas? Not before Christmas. I did a signing, um, oh, about two weeks ago at our local art gallery. And they've been 
very, very supportive. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have a few things lined up for next year. But you know, coming out of COVID, things things are starting to get back up. But finally, but it's different. It's, it's yes, different. That's how. Yeah, definitely different. It's not the same thing as no. it used to be before COVID. Mm -mm. Well, thank you for saying that because, I'm, you know, as writers, we're kind of isolated sometimes. And I think, oh, is it because I'm writing? So I'm, you know, in my office in front of my computer writing, or is it just that everything's changed a little? But um, it has. It has. Yeah, it has yeah. changed. And then with winter, in the past, we have had such severe um, storms. Right. That, you know, you make plans and then events are canceled. So um, I've learned that in January, February, I kind of lay low because hmm. I might get snowed in or the roads, the highways might be closed. I am in the Upper Peninsula. And, uh, How much snow do you get up there? Well, it depends. Uh, we were supposed to get a few inches last night and apparently the storm blew around us, but our roads were... Um, ice covered today all the schools are shut down basically because of the ice so yeah we're 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 at about an hour north of green bay that gives you an idea of where we yeah, are that does so all righty would you like to read to us i would be thrilled and delighted to read to you um from my second book and one of the nice things about this second book and I can show you, but your readers won't be able to see it, is that there are a variety of drawings, line drawings, okay. mm -hmm. incorporated in the book. Um, and that is from the Michigan uh, artist, Joanne Walletalo. Joanna Walletalo. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. And the other interesting thing I wanted to mention, you asked about inspiration. Mm -hmm. The young woman who is responsible for the artwork on the cover of this book, Caddy and the Birchbark Box and Caddy and the Bear Necklace is Haley Greenfeather English. Um, and her art, her styles are very different on each cover, but um, I was delighted that she agreed to do it. Her father is the quite well-known Ojibwa or Chippewa artist, Sam English. And I wrote the book, Sam English, The Life, Work, and Times of an Artist. So I like that circle. That you know, is I, nice. I know mm -hmm. Sam. I did the work on his biography mm -hmm. that showcases his art over the course of his career. And now his daughter has done the covers for both very of nice. them, which, nice. which is very nice. And the cover of the second one shows um, Caddy and John okay. Ray. Shigug, and Caddy holds in her hand a birch bark box. And the lid of the box is covered with um, beautiful quill work. Um, I don't know if your listeners are acquainted with that. Um, quill work is made from porcupine quills that are treated so that, and oftentimes dyed with natural dyes so they can be used to um, pierce the birch bark. Okay. And um, make a design similar to beadwork on leather or on cloth. Mm -hmm. and then over the top of the two young people is a tree branch. And through the tree, you can see a ship. 
because there is a shipwreck, which is um, central to the story. And the journal that they find in the birch bark box um, contains details of uh, one of John Ray's relatives and his adventures and his many uh, trips on the Great Lakes. Um, okay, uh, let's see. I'm going to start, this is on from chapter six called Mc or Box. Um, John Ray and Caddy are, have been um, sent to the backyard of a deserted house and they're digging back there under the um, instructions of John Ray's grandfather who's laid up, he's had hip surgery and he's told them where to go and what to dig for. And so Caddy um, asked him why they're doing this and he said, it's because my grandpa asked me to. Just help me dig, okay, please? Right from the start, I had a feeling John Ray hadn't brought us out to Ojo's garage to dig because he thought it would be an adventure. I couldn't prove it, so I wasn't going to question him. He told me he was doing it for his grandpa. I'd do what he asked because I liked him, and I wanted him to like me. Ever since I met him, I'd had a crush on him, but I never thought that being with him would mean we'd be digging in his relative's backyard. I followed him from the front of the garage and down to a patch of yard at its back. I knelt down a few feet from where John Ray had started to dig. I pushed the trowel into the dirt. I pushed and wiggled and rooted around with it for about 20 minutes until I felt blisters start to form on my hand. I tried to act like a tough kid, even though I wanted to cry. I don't like blisters. They hurt. I also like to draw in my sketchbook every night, and I knew the blisters would make my fingers clumsy. My sketches wouldn't turn out the way I wanted them to, and that would make me mad. And then I remembered talks I'd had with my older half-sister, Grace, when she visited us for a month each summer. We have different mothers, but we shared the same dad. When she visited, we'd sit up on a cot in my bedroom and we'd talk late into the night or until one of us fell asleep. I remembered one of her sayings, a faint heart never wins. Back then, I wasn't sure what she meant because Grace likes to recite this phrase whenever I asked her about something. It was her standard answer for every question I threw at her. Did she mean I had to keep digging when my hands hurt just because I wanted someone to like me? John Ray, I need to take a break. My hand hurts. I shouted to him because he had moved further away from me and had started digging in a new spot. And once again, that same blue jay was following me and making those squeaky clicking sounds. Aha! I found something, he yelled and stood up. He waved in the air and then brushed the dirt off by rubbing it against his leg. Aha! is another one of my favorite words. In our way, it means, come on, okay. Sorry, false alarm. Guess we need to keep digging. He showed me an old black boot missing half its sole. He tossed it aside, but a few minutes later, I heard his excited shout once again. This is it. I know it is this time, he shouted. I looked at him and saw him waving a beat up brown package in the air. What did you find, John Ray? I asked. I was tired and cranky. My hand hurt from the blisters forming and my shoulders were slumped. 
I brushed a tear from my eye. I'd like to know. I worked hard and my hands hurt. Don't I even get to know what you've found? I agree. Here's the reason we were digging. His outstretched hands held a small birch bark box about the size of a pencil box. This box was wrapped in a piece of water-resistant oilcloth. Grandpa described it pretty well. I know this is it. He told me not to open it before I show it to him. I'll meet with him, and then I'll tell you what I learn at the coffee shop tomorrow. Meet me there about four, okay? I watched as he slipped the small package into his backpack. And then that annoying blue jay came back and started squawking at me and fluttering its wings. It was time to leave. I wanted to stay and ask John Ray more, but I didn't want to get in trouble with my dad. If I broke my curfew, then I couldn't meet John Ray tomorrow. Could the blue jay read my thoughts? I wanted to yell at that bird. Now what? What is it this time? That bird answered me by flying down from a branch a few feet above and landing on my left arm. I heard his blue jay noises with my ears while at the same time, inside my head, I heard him say, See here, Caddy, plenty of people love you. You can't see them. They're here and they're blessing you. Now go and do as your friend tells you. Caddy, haven't you forgotten something? Oh my gosh, I laughed in embarrassment and stopped walking. I had forgotten to put tobacco down. When we take plants from the earth, we never take all of what it is we're searching for, but leave some of it behind. I wasn't sure what John Ray had taken other than the small brown package. Even so, I wanted to honor the earth where we'd been digging and leave an offering. I withdrew a small leather pouch from my hoodie pocket, loosened its leather thong tie, emptied some of the sema or tobacco into my left hand. I shook it into my right hand and bent down and placed a bit of the sema on the ground. When I stood, John Ray said, good job, Caddy, miigwetch. Miigwetch means thank you in our language. I told him it was getting late. I didn't want to make my dad mad, so I had to leave. He patted his backpack, straightened up and said, I'll race you home, okay? I ran home with John Ray running a few feet behind me. I thought of something Grandma had told me when I heard him singing as he followed me. Some people can sing the clouds out of the sky, she'd said, and then laughed. John Ray was one of those kinds of singers. And nice. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Can you announce the details of your book giveaway? Yes, I'd be very happy to do that. Um, the first person who sends me an email at shemackwriter at gmail.com, and I will spell that out, S-H-E-M-A-C-W-R-I-T-E-R at gmail.com, and puts in the subject line, podcast giveaway, will receive a copy of Caddy and the Birch Bark Box. Perfect. All right. How about parting shots? You go first, dear my guest. What do you want to leave our listeners with? Um, one of the questions I've been asked often by teachers, because I spent a great number, more than 20 years teaching is, um, my teachers and my students are, what is the best thing to do to become a writer? And of course, the 
first answer would be to write, but the second one is to read. Please read, keep reading, um, keep supporting local bookstores and keep going to the library, keep bugging librarians for recommended books, mm -hmm. but let's keep reading alive. Absolutely. All right. My parting shots, read indie, buy indie, and write indie. Support your local authors, newspapers, and small presses. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, Emma. Happy holidays.